Hello, everyone, and welcome to Production Wise, the podcast in which we celebrate the fantastic work of the greatest music producers ever known to man by listening to their complete production discographies to find out what makes their sound so special. I am your host, James. I'm joined by your host, Graham. Hello, Graham. Hello. Hello, Graham. He's, he's really, really on it this episode. You can tell already. Um, we are in continuation mode here on Production Wise. This is our second sizzling part two episode. This week it's part two of our special on the wonderful Nigel Godrich. As we've stated, and you, was, and you will have heard us banging on about Radiohead, his work with Radiohead is extensive. We're going to continue digging into his work with Radiohead all the way to their most recent stuff. But, as you should be wise to by now, Radiohead is the least of it. It's the tip of the iceberg. What else are we going to be covering on this episode, Graham? We got Air, we got Paul McCartney, we got Ultra Easter, we got Roger Waters, and we've even got a man known as Tom York. Yom Talk, my favourite vocalist. Uh, yeah, very exciting. Lots of Tom York. You're gonna get you're gonna get a lot of Tom York in this episode. <laughs> Lots to talk about. Um, Eagle-eared among you may notice at one point in the uh, in the podcast, I start speaking very, very quietly. That's because we stopped recording and continued recording a little while later. And when we continued recording, it was the morning. And in the morning, I can't help but talk quietly. I just, I have a lot of decorum. You know, I'm, I'm a very well-behaved boy. Um, so just be aware of that. It doesn't, doesn't diminish the quality of analysis, exploration and love for... Mr. Nigel Godridge. The big thing with this album was the fact that they self-released it. You know, yeah. they were labelled free. Pay what you like. Pay what you like, you know. I think it just sounds a bit... There's a slight different in sound, uh, difference, not in quality. It, it just doesn't sound as yeah. expensive as some of the other stuff for me. It's it's definitely a, a more delicate and slightly lighter sounding album, I think. And yeah. I, I know what you mean with the sound slightly less in slightly less expensive. There's not as it's not as it's not as huge sounding. It doesn't it doesn't you don't feel. You know, like a ju- like the drums on this are so brisk and light throughout. Yeah. Um, and it and it just means it doesn't. It's not as like in your face and punchy and big. This album. Um, I do basically think it's Radiohead's best album. Yeah, this is um, your favorite, right? Me. <sighs> that's a, that's that's where we're getting confused with. So so. This is probably my favorite. Radiohead album but if you take my albums of all time I'd probably have Kid A above it yeah because it's more of a more a personal thing for me but if I'm saying what do I think is the best Radiohead album um it's 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 in rainbows for me um I I was you know what it is actually you talk about it being a bit of a less expensive sounding album I remember putting it on and I'd I I bought this I got the silly like box set thing that they put out at the time 
Um, so I got the, I paid, I didn't pay anything for the download of the album at the time. And I was like, this is going to be some bootleg Radiohead. I just couldn't believe how lush and perfect this album sounded. It was so, I don't know, this, this is just such a delicate, tasteful album for me. And it's interesting actually going from, I've never thought about it before, going from Hail to the Thief to 15 Step. It's like 15 Step is the super refined version of what they were doing on, on Hail to the Thief. Do you think so? Yeah, it, it, it's like, but also with such a light touch. It's like yes. they've got to the point yes. where their music making sounds effortless. Oh, yeah. Um, like, Which I like, think is definitely not the case on this album. I think this is a crazily laboured over album as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Um, but they just sound like they, they, they know what they're doing, you know. They sound like they've, they've mastered their sound by this point. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're walking on air on this, on this album. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, it. And so, yeah, everything has just got this, this, this light trickling watery um brisk feeling to it like i've not really spoken about it but but colin greenwood and phil selway they're one of my favorite um uh, rhythm sections ever they're not like the trickiest most skilled people most technical players but they 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 kind of are radiohead to me they particularly colin greenwood he's the one who makes them say, sound like radiohead yeah him and him and nigel godrich together um, and they are just like when when Colin Greenwood comes in on the second verse of Fifteen Step with that, it's it's magic. Um, but also, this is a guitar album. Do you think so? Like, like yeah, this like, this is also a, a band album, right? Yes, this sounds, yeah, sounds like they sound like a band. They all got together and wrote it in the same room, whereas they probably did with the other yeah. ones. But it really sounds like this, like. We made this music together. Yeah, and it's not in and it's not in the kind of Glastonbury, big acoustic guitar way. No, it's you know it's all little little tri- trickling, delicate, intricate, um, you know, finger picked, very very refined guitars and things like that throughout. Um, yeah, and. Uh, uh, the the best use so far for for um for Radiohead of as uh, or- orchestration and string sections as well definitely um, sounds amazing on 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 Faustarp. yeah um all i need as well is like the most they're like most one of their most beautiful um upbeat songs like, yeah, you know, because some yeah. of their other beautiful songs are very gloomy, but this one is yeah. very kind of before they went and redid True Love Waits, which we'll come to later on. Yeah. You know, that was probably their most sort of beautiful love song. But all I need is really so like delicate. But yeah, I think thriving. Need and All I Need together mm. are so they're, they're you know, they're, they're, they kind of are the pillars of this album. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, all, but all I need really feels like a a song. It really, it almost feels like a single on the on this album. Um, yeah, I kind of it's 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 so so difficult to talk about this this album because it's 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 kind of so perfect. 
um, and it's so complete. I, I, I kind of don't know how they did it, um, this one. Um, well, but I think you know, just uh, a lot of them are old songs, aren't they? Songs that they yes. tried in OK Computer and other sessions and sort of had never really cracked. And I think that this they, that happens in the later albums, don't they? They have a couple of songs on each album where it's an old song that they finally figured out how they want it to yes. sound. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just... Oh, I just love it. It's, it's a lovely album. Um, and, it, you know, it, it just was not what I was expecting at all. From from the new Radiohead album, yeah. but it's it's the perfect version of it. You know, that was quite that was quite a time when this when this album came out. Um, it just it just it just blew everything else away at that time. I think in two thousand seven. I think um, this is one again that has the good Nigel editing. It's the perfect length. Oh yes, yeah, exactly. So it's nice and short. Um, only ten songs. It, what we also have is is Tom York's. Um, he's 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 happy to just go into total crooner mode. Yeah. On this album, there's 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 no big anthem or anything on this on this album at all. Everything's delicate. The the heaviest point is body snatchers, and that's a big. You know, like again, a big guitar freak out, and you get the you know it's the first time you hear those solos from from Johnny Greenwood in quite a while. Um, but again, that's so kraut rocky and light and brisk. It doesn't. It's not a guitar heavy song. I would say Nude and All I Need and even House of Cards sound heavier and bigger mm. than the the big angry guitar song on this album. Um, they just always get it right. On, on in rainbows for me. Yeah, I think there's there's it's weirdly not much to say about it just because it's so complete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Uh, what, what, what does a perfect album sound like in rainbows? This is also the last time for me that I was super interested in Radiohead. Fair um, I still kept up with them, but I it almost felt to me like, oh, you know, if, if they if they had ended it with this, I would have been okay with that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I would have felt like okay, solid. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's. I think they play really well with, with each other. You know, Hell to the Thief Two yeah. and Rainbows. It's kind of just like the next phase, almost. Yeah, here's here's the here's the the kind of raw material of it, and here's the super refined version of it. And I think. also, like, here's a happy band by the end of it. They sound. Yeah. That's the other thing yeah. about this album. They kind of sound a bit happier. Like, yeah, just. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's just projecting the fact that you can hear more of them on it, or the fact that it more, feels I more like I, a live band. I don't know. I think it possibly sounds that way because it's so beautiful. Mm. It's the it's the it's the most like we just want to make a beautiful album that 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 Radiohead have done so far. Um. So, uh, but yeah, thank you in rainbows for being in rainbows. Yeah, thanks Radiohead again. Um, thank you. Not the last time we'll talk about you, but you know we're, we're getting there. We're getting through it. <laughs> we're getting. There. Um, we're only halfway through, but we. <laughs> next <laughs> we is a there. band that I was super surprised that uh, Nigel, um, 
had produced them. I just it's just in my head. I was like, what? It's not yeah, someone why, I would why think would, like. Why would what? Because <laughs> um, so far, well, I would always think, why would they need a producer? Yeah, that's the other thing I think. But there you go. Um, so this is Air yeah. with their 2004 hit, Talkie Walkie. Very funny title there. Air. Yeah, um, funny little title. But apparently in France, that's not a funny title. That's just how they say walkie-talkie. Uh, well, great. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny for everybody just else. ruined the entire album for me, James. No, um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, so they're a French band. Uh, you know them as uh, they did a soundtrack yeah. for um, Sophia Coppola. Virgin Suicides. That's a solid album, right? It's good. Don't know. I think it is. Um, <laughs> they're like one of those bands that you're always just like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're good. But does, yeah. you know, have you ever listened to them? Uh, yes, I have. This is one of my favourite albums of ah, all time. okay. Um, Fair enough. Talkie Walkie. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of, I kind of listened to Moon Safari a little bit when I was at university, and that's quite, quite nice album. And I think that's probably, along with this, is there like classic album or definitive album? Yeah, like notable albums. Um, yes, but yeah, Talkie Walkie is a really big album for me. I, 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 I mean, I don't think it's a perfect. I don't think it's a perfect album uh, at all. But I love it. Um, and I think in Venus, Cherry Blossom Girl, Run, Universal Traveller, Mike Mills, Surfing on a Rocket, that's pretty strong for an album stretch. I th- I th- that is just like bang, 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 bang. I don't, mm. you know. Um, and the, the the thing with this album is, it's, I, 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 I'm going to go off about this album for a minute, but I, I, I'm looking forward to you in a moment saying, I thought this album was fine. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> I, I, the, like the way it starts, dun, dun, it's just, I don't know, this album like, is like celebrating itself from the beginning. It's just so happy to be Talky Walkie by Air. Yeah. Um, and I, I just think, I think it's the, it, it, once you know it's Nigel Godridge, it's like, oh, of course, of course it is, because it, it, this is the sound of Nigel Godridge. Um, to the extent you hear this album on so many other albums, one in particular I'll talk, we'll talk about quite soon. Um, but there's something about this album where each song is, it's like, okay, this song does this, and then this song does this, and so each one is this, it's its own little construction that stands by itself, and it's just all about how well are we going to sequence it, are they going to happen in the right order, and they do, um, but Venus doesn't do what Cherry Blossom does and so on but they're not so they're very very worked on and perfect but they're not jammed full of stuff like Nigel Godrich's stuff is very packed a lot of the time and very very uh, full of stuff in the same way that uh, Danger Mouse is um, but here they're very careful with what elements they have in each song and everything just does its thing and it's just, it's just, you can hear the limit of the song. So it's not like this totally deep production. Each sound is very worked on and final. And then it's just about pairing it with all the right ones throughout the song. Um, and I just think for the most part, they get it so, so, so right on this album. And like Air are not good singers, right? Then, But the vocals, the vocal melodies and the lyrics on this 
just make me so so happy those lines in venus when they're saying um uh we could be together love us forever care for each other it's just for me it's, it's magic it is it's total magic um surfing on a rocket that's one. That's like such a happy place for me, and there's there's a bit in the middle. So it's I just think it's a great joyous song. It suggests halfway through that it's going to build into a big raved up dance track. It kind of like suggests it's going to go that way. Instead, it just condenses that build down into this like sci-fi drum like, fill. Yeah, and like seventies leaps and bloops. Yeah, just in a bloopy way, it just explodes into another verse. Oh my god, Graham. How much better can it get? Honestly, like anybody, listen to that song. Um and also I think Universal Traveller, the beat that is constructed on it, that is the perfect beat, as far as I'm concerned. The the the, the way that they, they choose the various percussion sounds and the counter rhythms and build that beat. I could just listen to that loop forever, honestly. It, it feels like it's just creating as, itself as it goes along. But it's it's just through the mastery of the elements chosen. How do you feel about it, Graham? I just think it is a strong contender for his his best-sounding production. You know, obviously yeah, all of his yeah. Radiohead song, song uh, albums sound incredible. But it's kind of like that thing of like, you can judge um, pizza. If you want to f- find out if it's a good pizza place, you get the margarita. If someone can do a really good margarita, it's... these are like quite simple songs, but they sound hmm. beautiful. They sound... And like, you know, Travis and that stuff sounded really great for what it was. But the, this, these do sound otherworldly dreamy. Um I'd say more so in this album. Also, this album sounds super complete to me. Like yeah. It's just like, what, 10 tracks? It's... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're all quite... They're all... They're, and they're kind of they're kind of similar, but they're not. And, you know, the sequencing is good. It just... Yeah, it surprised me. I didn't realise it was going to be this good. <laughs> yeah. It's... Um, I know... Yeah, it's, yeah, they do kind of sound similar. But they, they each kind of... It's like they've... The sounds come from this world um and so there's those are the only types of sounds they're allowed and then they each get deployed and carefully picked in their own way the i would say the only weak moment on the um album is biological Mm. just i mean that's just that's such a slow song lacking in melody to the point that and i mean this seriously i don't i don't even think it's musical like, you know what I mean? It's it's so, um, yeah. I think that's just I don't understand that song. I've I've tried with it this time. I was like, I'm going to like biological this time, but I just can't do it. But this the 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 strong stuff on this album is so um, it, for me mind blowing. I I yeah I'm I'm totally in love with this with this album. Um, the only problem I had with this album was it's so good that it made the next album uh pocket symphony 2007 uh just a bit like meh like 
It pales in comparison. It pales yeah. in comparison. It's just not that interesting, you know, for me. Mm, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I, th- uh, I. I. mean, I think as far as the quality of the sound, there's no drop off between the two albums. I don't think really. No, they're just um, as they like perfectly produced. Yeah, but each track on. Um, on um on uh talkie walkie is like hewn from the very rock you know whereas this is a lot this is much more spread out a lot more relaxed you know it's still very carefully put together but it's not like every single song has its place you know it's not quite so perfectly put together it's more of like a mood it's a nice chill out album it's nice you know it's 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 like pretty pretty sumptuous as background music you know it's about as good as background music yeah, gets for me it sounded like really pretty elevator music yeah yeah i mean it's like it's nice enough it's, not... it's the kind of music you might want to be euthanized to yeah it's, it's certainly not bad um <laughs> but i was just it's just a weird to go from one album that had songs to another album that is just kind of like one big lovely song is a bit odd yeah um if it was like it was like a bit a bit soundtracky for me um, um yeah there's not much more to say about it really but you know it had yeah it was only like a photograph what have i written here adult stuff it's <laughs> very mature um all the different instruments is were cool it's cool that you know they use so many different sort of japanese instruments and things in them and you can hear them in them quite well yeah i imagine it was fun to record yeah, and you know they got a bunch of guest vocalists in. You know, get Jarvis Cocker in. I, I like Space Maker. I like Napalm Love. Uh, liked Once Upon a Time a lot. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's it's pleasant, well well made, well written. But it just doesn't have that that. I think you know. It, it it's just doesn't 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 compare at all to to Talkie Walkie for me. So, next we're on to the big leagues now. Okay. This is big stuff. The major leagues. This is uh, this is you. You, I want that Radiohead guy. Yeah, this is what it is. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. get me Radiohead man, and get me what? Uh, he, apparently, this was this was um, the, the, it was it was uh, it was a directive from uh, George Martin. Okay, so that's a bit of a clue there. We're going to be talking about Paul McCartney. Chaos and creation so Graham, in the backyard. I think Graham, I've I've noticed a little thing that you're doing in this episode, you're, where you're you're yeah. te- you're teasing who you're talking about, so that you're saying the name of the artist at the very final moment. Um, good and that. I and I appreciate that, but I'm not ready for it, and so I'm stepping on your toes. And I will try. I look, I've 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 acknowledged it, and I will try not to do it for the rest of the episode. Okay. It's fine. Um, so George Martin, that's cool. I think I had read that somewhere as well, where he said he basically said, "You you want to get the guy, the Radiohead man? He'll he'll do mm. you a good album. Um, he'll do you, yeah. I, he'll sort you out." I don't know. So Chaos and Creation in the Backyard, two thousand and five. Had did had you listened to any of the albums before or after this? Only like maybe eighties albums, and I think I listened to Egypt Station from a couple of years ago. I'm not, don't know loads of um, Paul McCartney stuff. Two or three, two or three albums. Yeah, so I haven't. Me neither. Um, so I don't know. I've never heard of this album and had no idea that Nigel Godrich has produced a 
a McCartney album. Yeah, and I, d- I don't know what the reason is that George Martin was like, you need the Radiohead man. You know, I, don't, yeah. I don't know if it was specifically like he was like, I don't like your later stuff, it's not what I would have done, mate. Or if he was just like, <laughs> I'd like to hear you with the Radiohead man. But whatever the case was, I think it was a very good decision. This oh, yeah. is a good album. This is good, yeah. This is, this is good stuff. What, um, what did you think of it? Well, it's, it's, um, it's so strange because it, it, it's so Paul McCartney. You know, it's so Beatles-y, Wings-y, Paul McCartney-y, Paul McCartney. But it's so Nigel Godrich-y as well. Um, so I think kind of everybody gets what they want from this, from this album. It's a very sort of gratifying album. And, you know, you've, you've got Paul McCartney kind of writing good songs. Not every single song is stellar. Um, stellar, get it? So um, you... <laughs> you... So you... Uh, yeah, never mind that. Uh, so, <laughs> so, you, so you've got kind of songs that are good enough with... Nigel Godrich cracking the whip and I think possibly almost offending Paul McCartney uh, in the process. But Paul McCartney appreciated it in the end um, and realised, you know, it's, let's let's make a good album. Let's not just have someone say yes to everything I say. And it meant you've got a good pared down quality album that sounds just immaculate. I think it's pretty cool that, you know, it's the first time in a long time that he's not a co-producer or producer, so yes. he's really, you know, decided to just let Nigel get on with it. Um, and the fact that he's played most of the instruments himself, which is the first time yes. he's done that in a long time. So I think all those little bits add so much to the album. Um, yeah, it's not, the songs, the songs are, you know, they're very Paul McCartney in terms yes, of they are. They what are. he's doing, but they, they sound great. And there is a tightness to the sort of track listing and the edits. And I imagine they must have written quite a lot of songs in these sessions. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Nigel Godrich loves to chuck chuck stuff out and, and really just leave 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 you know leave him with the best stuff. Um and I you know what I can also imagine there's that there's that one song that's about having breakfast or something, English tea. Yeah. I can imagine Nigel Godrich on the day that they were, were, were uh, recording the recorder solo uh, on that song, thinking, I'm really doing it. I'm I'm doing a bloody Paul McCartney album and no one can tell me <laughs> otherwise, you know. Um, yeah, but the, I mean, yeah, it's just it's just it's just it's just full of like the best of both sides. Just loads, loads, loads of fun McCartney stuff with his lyrics that aren't about anything. And um, lovely little Nigel Godrich sounds and his his great sounding drums, the percussive bass, McCartney playing piano really really well. I don't know, and and actually kind of his vocals not sounding bad as well. You know, he's this is two thousand and five, yeah. So he's in his sixties, and you know he's not doing like um, uh, Oh Darling or, or or Golden Slumbers or anything like that. But his voice sounds still pretty. He's in control of it, you know, and he's and he's not, you know, he's he's not sounding like an old man on this album. He sounds pretty vital and 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 with it. Um, 
Yeah, not you know, it's not like a five out of five amazing album or anything like that, but it's like better than you'd have any reason to think it would be. Yeah, I, I did not expect it to be this good. Uh, also, I thought it was going to sound dated, which I don't think it does. I think it sounds pretty timeless. I think that's also because it's mainly just like instrument, regular instruments. Yeah, of, pretty pared you know, down. It's not that ele- electronic or that kind of thing, which I know like Paul McCartney's kind of into. Um, mm. I find it interesting that sort of he would only let him play the songs uh, that Nigel was happy with. So, whereas other yeah. producers probably would have been like, it's Paul McCartney, if he wants to play his fucking song, like, you know, if he wants to play, he can put whatever he wants in the album. But he really was, yeah. had to be like, he must have figured out that he had to be blunt with him um, yeah. to get, to, you know, to do the job. Because I guess you don't want to mess up a Paul McCartney album. Yeah, you don't want to just make a Paul McCartney album, you want to make a good one. Good, Yeah, and I think that's what he did. I mean, I remember, I quite liked um, At The Mercy, just the strings and like okay. the warm guitar. Sounded very. Yeah, just lots of. Sounded like everything he's learnt from now he put into this album. It's all paying dividends now. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Friends to Go. The vocals and the backing vocal tracks, actually, the layering was really good in that one. Like. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's another thing you don't think. Like, his vocals sound very good in this. I mean, he's a good singer, but he's not always this. They're not. They're not always that interesting. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I I, I love Paul McCartney as a singer, but like, I'm. I'm. That's when he's twenty five. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. You. You just. What you. What you want are just strong melodies. Um. The only problem I would say the my only problem with this is, you know, other than maybe some songs are better than others, just sometimes the lyrics are a bit like. I just wrote some lyrics. I you know they they rhyme. Um. But because he sings with such clarity and his voice is pushed so far forward, the lyrics can sometimes sound a bit absurd. Um, you know, like, why am I... Why is it so important that I understand every single word that Paul McCartney's saying? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, pretty good. So we're going to pivot from Mr. Paul McCartney, Sir Paul McCartney, to um, the critically acclaimed actress, Charlotte Gainsbourg who is also a musician in her own right. Um, yeah. They, her and Nigel hooked up in 2006 for 5.55. And uh, I feel like I remember listening to this at the time. Really? Yeah, you know, post Pitchfork, you know, give a little Pitchfork review and be like, oh, yeah, this, yeah. Oh, you know, it's that, it's that, uh, I'm not going to say bird, that's rude. It's that, Lady actress, lady, uh, lady, from uh, those horrible Lars von Trier films. I wonder what her mm. music will be like. And the answer was fairly tough to get through. <laughs> a bit of a bit of a bit of a trial. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. No. <laughs> it's a no from me. Well, I. You know what? It started off with five fifty-five, which I I thought was. Um, I just thought, oh, wow, this album is just going to be Nigel Godrich catnip. I mean, it sounded, you know what I mean? It just sounded like, um, it sounded like the Air album again uh, when it started off. Like some of the, some of the instrumentation from from this is just like picked up from the Air album and dropped onto this, like particularly. Well, they did. Uh, I think they wrote uh, all the music. 
Right, right. Air wrote all the music um, and Jarvis Cocker wrote all the songs. Yeah, but I mean, particularly shows on on Little Monsters, like it's it, so so. It means that sometimes these instrumentals are strong enough that it's just like, ah, oh, this is just a dream, this song. Um, but I was listening to it again today, and her vocal performance is is pretty tough to live with, honestly. It's it's um, and the the the, the, the biggest difficulty for me, other than some of her strange diction, is um is the sort of ASMR quality of it. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, she's very, she's not singing loudly. She's very closely mic'd in this kind of whispering-y way. And I didn't understand what everybody was talking about with ASMR. I kept hearing people talking about ASMR. So when I looked it up on, on YouTube and uh, I found a video. The first video that came up was, was, um, was somebody describing an Amazon delivery that had arrived today. So they were like, so today was post day. And it was, you know, it's like, this is what people do these days. Anyway, I don't want to. I don't want to sound like an old man having a go at people, but um, that is, they, th- those people might enjoy uh, this this Charlotte Gainsbourg album. Uh, did did, did anything? Did, was there anything you enjoyed about this album? No. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, no, I mean, and it is just her <laughs> vocals. Um, some of the vocals which she did uh, in French were good. But her vocals in her strange faux British accent yeah. were, yeah, this was the tough one. But, you know, it's fine. There's, it, in every podcast so far, there's been at least one album that's been a bit tough to listen to. Um, and this wasn't that bad. One. This wasn't that bad. You know, I listened to it twice. Just nothing, nothing leapt out. Yeah, the, the um, best bits were very about... dreamy. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, you know, the mu- the music was good. The writing was okay. You know, everyone behind the album is pretty cool. Um, feels they're cool. Like Nigel uh, and Air, and they're, they're all like, they're all mates, aren't they? They all they all sort of know each yeah. other. So it's like, I'm sure recording it was great. <laughs> Blast. <laughs> you know, they all had lots of fun recording it. That's probably the, yes. the point of the album. Um, but yeah, I'm, like, I'm, I'm more excited really about talking about this next band. Uh, cool. So this is Nigel's, this is his band, right? This is his musical, these, this is his as an artist. This is the clearest yeah. example we have of his artistic musical expression in terms of like making, writing songs and performing. Seems like it. Um, so this is Ultraista? Ultraista? Ultraista. Ultraista. I'd never heard of them, but um, they were formed in 2008. So it's Nigel Goodrich, uh, Joey Ronica, as you mentioned before, was the sort of his, he, it's his like in-house drummer at this point, kind yeah. of, for a lot of his projects. Um, and singer Laura Bettinson. So they're the ben. band. And yeah, what did you think? Um, I, I, I'm, it, uh, it was sort of pleasant enough, I would say. Um the, the 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 you know it's it's a Nigel Godrich electronic production and um you know we've skipped a few of his major electronic productions because we're going to come on to them a little bit later um but i would definitely say these days these albums are from 2012 and 2020 Nigel Godrich seems to be a lot more interested in electronic music than rock music or yeah. or anything like that or guitar music um, so it makes sense to me that he would be in this sort of band. Um, 
And so it's like pretty well-produced or, you know, well-produced electronic music. It's not amazing electronic music. Um, but I actually think melodically it appeals to me quite a bit. Um, I like I like the kind of way that they 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 build their melodies and their chord sequences. It's full of, of of pretty nice keyboard sounds. You just get those on every single Nigel Godrich production. Um, and the singer I thought kind of has every right to put on a fake London accent and and be really annoying, <laughs> but she kind of hangs back enough for her to just be kind of part of the part of the music. Um, and not not like dominate so much, so it really does feel like a band rather than like a her solo project or something like that with 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 yeah. some some nice production. Um, but yeah, I mean beyond that, no, didn't 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 do loads for me. Um, I it, it it was so close to being my kind of thing, but just not not quite. I found that yes. Yeah, so- First uh, debut album, 2012. Just, as you said, missed the mark slightly. Lacking some hooks, basically. Or yeah. or anything to sort of get you interested. I think it sounds great, you know. It also sounds quite complete. It's like a solid album. Yeah. It's very much... And it's quite... You get through it quite quickly. It's 37 minutes. Um, Mercifully short. Um but it didn't really do anything for me. However, they did release an album, Sister, this year. Um, last year. Last year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, time. Mm. The, yeah, time moves on. Uh, last year, and uh, that album slaps, man. Okay, cool. There is a note. It had more tunes, definitely, for me, yeah. Yeah, Sister, for me, was just like, this one, this is it. This is what the first one should have been. Um, sure in what they eight years apart i don't know what happened yeah. in those eight years but you know he found found some beats <laughs> found some beats yeah I, I i don't know about you but i thought definitely the second album sounded more like a band sounded more like they had a drummer um yeah uh i felt felt less slightly less electronic still very synth heavy and and very produced like electronic music, but you could, you know, I was like, oh, I can imagine what this band would be like live, for yeah. example. For me, it sound, they sound like a live trip hop band, whereas the first album sounded just like a, a musical project. Yeah, okay, yeah, all right, I, I, yeah, I, I take your point there, I see what you mean. Um, um, yeah, I don't know, I, I, yeah, I really like the first song on the second album. Tin um, King. I thought that built, yeah, built its hooks very nicely, and there were, there were a couple of bits, but again, I, I think. I was always like, oh, this song is so close to being my sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, th- these these are these are worth a listen. I definitely drop some of these songs into playlists or, or whatever, you know. That's that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, I think I'm going to revisit the the newer one. Um, I, I, I would like them to just keep going and sort of make another record sort of sooner rather than later. Because I think the more sure. the more music they make together, the more of interesting they're gonna get um, you don't want the next album to come out when you're 40 no i don't think i'll give a shit by then <laughs> <laughs> so you know i'm not saying next year that's okay take your time yeah you know whatever radiohead are doing i'm sure you're involved um but three years time i would like another ultra easter album so get on it nigel 
Nigel Godrich, your wish is my command. <laughs> I'll do that for you. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, so next up, we've got a, a man from a band you've probably never heard of. Um, he's in a small band called Radiohead. We haven't really talked about them. You know, they haven't come up yet. Um, They're a massive band. Oh, are they? Oh. They're huge, yeah. They'll routinely headline Glastonbury. Oh, maybe... We've, I think we maybe have we've spoken been... about six of their albums. Oh, oh, right. Well, in that case, we're talking about Tom York. Yeah. So let's start you know off him. with uh, 2006, Tom York Magnum Opus, The Eraser. Yeah. Now, how do you, how do you feel about The Eraser, yeah. James? Um, well, I mean, were you kind of aware of it when it came out? Was it something you were anticipating when it was released? Yes. I think uh, 2006, I was sort of very much into Radiohead at this point. I was very happy with where they were going. Um, and I just remember seeing, like, the artwork before anything. Ah, And yes. the artwork for this is incredible by Mr. Stan- yeah. Stanley Dodwood, who does all of the Radiohead artwork. Um the Don. And it's just love these these lovely like liner cuts and it's this this print is just beautiful. Um but yeah, I remember the, f- the first couple of singles being released and then just thinking, whoa. You know what? I kinda like I know I was anticipating this album and I know I bought it when it came out, but two thousand and six, kind of media wise, seems like such another country. I can't even remember where I would have been seeing the eraser being spoken about it's not like i would have been reading the nme or q magazine or anything like that at the time um so i'm i'm, I'm kind of thinking where did the, where did all this anticipation for me come from but i remember being really like whoa you know tom york's going to be releasing a, a solo album this is something in my brain that i care about i don't know if, yeah it just feels like such a long time ago now i remember um, it being heavily covered positive on oh sorry yeah i was gonna say um really pitchfork were Big old, you know. I think Radiohead sort of made them in the beginning. Their first uh, review of Amnesiac, maybe or Kid A, that was like bought them so right. much okay. uh, attention. And ever since then, they hit the ball running. So by this point, yeah, Pitchfork were like the place to get your reviews. Before they slightly became, now they're a bit, you know, oh yeah, very weird. Um, but yeah, they were covering the shit out of it. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah. I mean. This this is an album I, I I love. I do think it is what whether it's one of the best is is hard to say, but it's one of my favourite albums of the two thousands, um, and it was pretty instantaneous. Um, this one, it's not a difficult album to get into, and it kind of it sort of sets the tone straight away um, with with the title track, and it just I do think I don't know if it, if it gets better and better, but every track kind of does something that the previous one doesn't do. They kind of all build on each other very nicely. Um, and I, I think as well with this, I think I remember the all the talk at the time being this album is pretty much homemade by Tom York. He's, he pre, he's pretty much written it on his laptop. And I, I do quite like that quality about it where it's not the most polished sounding album in the world while still having lots of layers and being very deep and satisfying to listen to. I think in terms of it starting off really strong, the the little coda at the end of the title track, um, 
just it's sort of like nice little oh the yeah like nice little 30 seconds of this bleepy bloopy warm comforting yes. like heaven oh it's just beautiful um i was going to i was wondering do you think he do you think he do you think this justifies itself as a solo album? Are there things that are done on here that aren't able to, that wouldn't be able to happen on a Radiohead album and hadn't happened on a Radiohead album before? Yeah, I think this is the sort of, at the time, the danciest he'd got. And I just don't think, I think it's also quite structured and straightforward. Um, yeah. yeah, obviously all Radiohead albums are structured, but it's it's also kind of, they're all... All of the songs are of the same kind of genre, almost. You know, they all sort of they're yeah, all it does spooky, it does dancey, feel quite unified, um, funky, angry stuff. Uh, it's far more political than Radiohead ever were, I think. But niche. Uh, I, but I, 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 I do agree that it that it is a very political album, but um, I think the way that it's deployed is kind of genius here. Um, I think one of the bigger songs, which was not a song I was massively into, or have, I've only recently gotten into, really, Harrodown Hill. That is probably one of one of the, one of the most overtly political songs that Tom York's put together, where it's speaking about a very specific situation, a very specific story, a very dark story. Um, but the way that he uses these very dark lyrics to build hooks um, that, that I mean, that only really reveal themselves after a while, kind of like that, um, the slippery, 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 and all, you know, each each little bit of it tells the story of this horrible um, political situation, but each time an element is brought in, it's brought in as a pop hook, Um and I, th- I think that is kind of the genius of this album. I feel quite similarly about analysing the clock as well. So kind of musically, he's introducing this this dance element and this electronica element while them still being very darkly and overtly political songs. Um, got to mention as well, Analyze might be the best end credit song ever on... Prestige. Ah, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. The twist reveal on the twi- on the Prestige, followed by analyze into the credits, is just like, oh, You're like, love that. I'm going to analyze this after I yeah, leave. Yeah, analyze this. This film. Yeah. Um, yeah, I completely forgotten about that. The the like sort of layering in analyze is pretty incredible. Just all the different elements. I mean, that's what I think this mm-hmm. album does really well. Is you know, Nigel's taken all these little bits really crafted them into the perfect dancey darky pop electro pop songs i think you know tom york probably would have come to him with a lot of material and they would have gone back mm. and forth and sort of gone on sort of like he'd, he'd send snippets and he'd be like yeah this bit lose this bit you know a lot of it. i think the editing on this is really good that actually takes me back to when he, uh, Tom would be doing live performances at the time if he would ever appear on like late night uh, talk shows and things like that. If ever he performed these songs live, it was always just him, a, him and a piano, um, and they 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 were very kind of mournful and croony and depressive. 
Um, so it kind of says, on, you know, st- you strip away this production, there's a song there. It's not, it's not, it's not an electronic improvisation. Um, but all of these electronic elements are what make it the eraser and what bring it all together. Because I don't think you could take every single song on this album and make it some mournful piano ballad. Um, but at, you know th- th- those those production elements are kind of what make this the unified experience that it is. Um, do you got any s- big standouts for this one for you? Yeah, for me the the biggest out on this one is um, Skip Divided. I think it really showcases his vocals sound really interesting in this whole album. You know, it's it's a it's a different side of him almost than what we've heard from a lot of Radiohead. The lyrics are a lot more tangible i feel yeah you know um and skip divided is just takes him on a wild journey um and it's such a those beats in that song are so sort of dreadful that but they it's great you know it's a spooky it's a spooky time it's like um have you seen the have you seen the um under the skin it's like when they're sinking into that black stuff. Yeah, it's that you know, kind of vibe, it's, isn't it? It's ugh. it's like sort of hypnotic, and it's sort of it keeps coming, and he he's he gets more and more sort of tense. He's like cool, calm, and controlled, but he's you can hear this thing like bubbling under the surface. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, to the extent that he's he's crawling around like a dog. Um, yeah, I think actually that he he. He actually brings something melodically new on this as well. You start... Well, I think there's two big things he starts doing vocally. He starts bringing in lots of different types of, of melodies, just, just non-radio-heady melodies, I think slightly more soulful melodies on this um, on this album. But he's also beatboxing a lot. Um, and beatboxing is something he's going to just keep doing. He doesn't he doesn't give up his beatboxing after the eraser. We're going to hear more of it. But him, him doing little rhythmical beatboxy stuff that gets incorporated into the, the the rest of the production um is a big part of this album and was quite surprising the first time i heard it around you know i thought why is tom york beatboxing but hey look tom york does what tom york wants yeah th- this is him using his vocals as an instrument and yet also maintaining clarity it's it's weird he's sort of that's yeah. why I feel like they, they do feel like solo albums. You know, he's upright, front and centre in the mix. Yeah, here's my voice. Yeah. Here's my songs. Yeah, um, I love this album. Um, and I think I think uh, that, that it doesn't always go for the high-spec sound. The super, super lush and polished sound is really nice. Like, Atoms for Peace... I think is one of his best solo songs. Mm. Um, it's I think I think that's just a really stunning song. But the production is so nothing. You know, it's it's a little pong sounding bass line, um, and then a very kid A synth comes in about halfway through, and that just carries the song to the end. And then, you know, there's more or less just two elements to that song, but it never sounds lacking or thin or undercooked or anything like that. Yeah, um, it's it's kind of just right. I don't know how we got this album so right. Yeah, it's it is, it is a solid unit, you know, and it's it's pretty much a perfect album, I'd say. Yeah, it's not IKEA, it's MFI. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Well done, Tom. Following the Eraser, 
um, in 2014, it's a bit of a break there, uh, we get Tomorrow's Modern Boxes. Now, did you listen to this at the time? I I did. I did. Um, yeah, uh, I was... I mean, whenever um, a Tom York or Radiohead project is announced, I think, and it maybe was announced, I think they're, they've calmed down a little bit with it these days. Um but it was it was a really big deal because they'd always be dropped, like an album is coming out today, and there'd be a full rollout for it all in one day. I think he released this onto BitTorrent or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, and there was the usual big box set, super. I think this one was released in a foil bag, um, and that was the big selling point for it. Um, I had gotten the previous two big Radiohead box sets and was very happy with them, but something about that foil bag was a warning it was a warning sign to me it said james don't waste your money don't do it um but i think before we did it for this project i'd only listened to this album the once when it came out what about you i did not listen to this i mean by this point i don't think i was that interested in tom york radiohead you know i'd still follow it. if they were like a single i'd watch the sing like video or whatever but yeah um listening to this uh you know last week kind of the first time I'd ever heard it. Um, and I'm going to say, you know, I was a bit disappointed. <laughs> yeah, not not as, not as strong, this one. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I remember it having absolutely no redeeming qualities whatsoever. I remember listening to it at the time, and it just felt like listening to a black hole. was just like, didn't make any impression on me whatsoever. I just thought, this is, what, eight songs, half an hour. It's just, like, nothing. Um, and it's better than, it's better than nothing. I would say. Yeah, it's, it's um, definitely not... A, it's not quite as bad as I remember. It's not a bad album. It's just a bit... It's just lacking a little bit in hooks. Yeah, I feel it's I feel it's lacking songs. You know, yeah. you really feel with the Eraser that he came with a strong set of songs. Um, that, that kind of could... Like with the Beck stuff, they could carry the weight of the extra production and they were enhanced by it. But I think here it is just... You know, it's like, production-wise, it's much more polished. Yeah, I would say it sounds sounds a bit, you know, a bit more. Uh, it has a bit more of a sheen, but there's not a lot to the production. The Eraser was much more layered. Um, this one is a lot more of like a feel like you're you're dealing more with like these very high high sheen loops, um, and there's a lot more depth and crunch to the beats and things like that, but. You know, particularly on a song like Guess Again, it just goes on and on and on and on and on until the end of the song and it just kind of fades away. And Tom is not really bringing songs. He just this kind of... It feels like that editing process you spoke about with the previous album, but with the results not not nearly as strong. Yeah. I mean, I think the mother, the mother load is, is quite good. You know, it's... Him going full like house. Yeah, yeah, it definitely gave me like a UK garage two step vibe. That yeah, it was. I quite like that one. That definitely stood out this time. And I like the sort of end of the album. Nose grows some. Is sort of like um like these like tiny binaural beats. But the last three tracks, there's no eyes for my drink. Pink section. Nose grows some. That's a nice little sort of ambient suite. But. 
it's just I just think maybe this one would have been good if he'd if they'd done it as an EP and taken a couple of tracks out or made a couple of tracks shorter maybe or experimented with putting something together and you could have had something a bit more interesting. I feel, I feel like yeah I, I see what you mean I, I almost feel like this you could get away with this album if it was a collected one-off singles sort of thing like if he you know if he'd been dropping these like once every two months or something for a year or or, yeah. or, or something like that and at the end it's like oh all those random songs here they are collected together what do you think of that but it being like a here is my album um yeah it just doesn't just doesn't doesn't hold up but you know, it's not 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 terrible, and uh, it's set. You know, it do, it does does have more. I don't know, more polish than you might expect. But I could I could carry on this sentence for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say I'd say it's got, it has got great production, but without great songs as well, the production doesn't really show itself. You know, you don't really notice mm-hmm. it. Um, so, moving on from tomorrow's modern boxes, we've got 2019's Anima. Um, mm. Did were, were, did you listen to this one when it came out? Um, I think because of tomorrow's modern boxes, I was not hyped for this at all when it was released. Right. And I think I do think it was a bit more. I don't think they kind of made the song and dance that they normally do with no. with Radiohead and and, and Tom York um, releases. This just felt like. Like a normal album coming out, <laughs> you know. Um, so I, I think I listened to it when it came out, but lots of things were putting me off. The previous album had kind of made me wary of 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 Tom. I was I was I was you know I was I was aware of him in an unpleasant way. Um, that it was released in the court in um in conjunction with a Paul Thomas Anderson short film that was gonna this was gonna sort of soundtrack. Yeah, I think that was its big marketing um, hook, wasn't it? Because I think it went to Netflix yeah. and um, IMAX. It's like a fifteen-minute short film. Yeah. And I thought I'm really not into soundtracks and things like that. I don't listen to soundtracks, um, and that always puts me off. It's why I never really bothered with his Suspiria soundtrack. I just thought, I, you know, um, I'm sure it's great, but I just never listen to it. It is great. I can um, confirm that. <laughs> okay, that's good. Um, so I so I was a bit like, mm, but I think as soon as you put it on. It's pretty clear that the the quality is has upped significantly from the previous project. Yeah, I it just really the sounds and beats really hit this time. You know, there's also this songcraft here, which was slightly lacking in the previous one. You know, you can tell these songs are specific and about something, um, and they they have like a little highs and lows, and they're interesting. Yeah, I think song-wise, he he more or less combines the approach of the previous two albums where, yeah. you know, it is loose, it, or rather it's looser than the Eraser, um, and there is a bit more sort of free-form stuff going on, but he never forgets to introduce hooks, um, and you can just tell as soon as the album starts, as soon as he's like, first, after he's done his first little, yeah, uh, when the album actually gets going and his vocals are coming in, he more or less is just communicating to you in hooks um, without them being like, I don't think he could sit on a piano with many of these songs and perform them like you'd like, like he probably could with a lot of the, the eraser songs, but he always keeps it hooky and catchy and memorable. Um, 
I can. He sounds. He sounds like he's enjoying the music a bit more. Like he's actually enjoying the music he's hearing on the album a bit more. Yeah. So I think it just sounds huge, and it's sort of you know the beats really hit you this time, um, and I love it. I I I wrote on traffic. I was like, this is it. From Mouse House to Ibiza, <laughs> baby. This is what I want to hear. Yeah. You know, I want him to just be. It just sounds confident. Very confident. Yeah, much more, much more confident, um, and I, I, yeah, the, the the sound play is just a lot more fun. I kind of think if yeah, if you're going to have these 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 looser, less constructed songs, um, the, the the sound play and the production have to be a lot more rich and pleasing to listen to, and there's just a lot more fun um, and variety of sounds and variety of textures. And they feel a lot more physical. The sounds on this, like I remember, <laughs> we had we 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 had it on the other night, and that little I think it's on, I think it was on not the news. There's that little there's that little synth that sounds like a video game character and an old platformer jumping. It's like, it's I don't know. There's something just so funny about. <laughs> about it but the texture of it sounds so nice and i can just i can just uh, i don't know with with this one i can just so see tom throwing all his dance moves that he's built up over the years you know chucking his arms around and doing all of his stuff i can see him with a with a pair of maracas you know yeah it sounds um, fun up there on stage yes yeah yeah um but he's he's just much more of a vocal presence um so on on i'm not i am a very rude person a very well-named song. Um, he's not doing his croony soul singer stuff. He's singing a lot more low. His vo- vocals are doubled up like Fever Ray. And his vocal is what kind of gives the song its groove and moves it along. And that that's kind of the pleasure of that song. And that's what it is. Um, yeah, I mean, this is not like a... For me, this isn't like a 10 out of 10 album or anything like that. Um but it's there's just so much more to get into, and it's just it feels like so much more of a finished project. Yeah, this one definitely. Um, I think yeah, it helps that the songs do sound a little bit different as well, and they've got different vibes. You know, like um, last I heard, he was circling in the drain is quite spooky. Um, if you've got like dawn chorus, grey beautiful, and then like even the runaway, the final track is so cinematic. I think yes, um, and I think all I'd seen of all I'd heard of this was the fifteen-minute short film at the time, so I'd never really yeah. and that doesn't really cover much in that film, no, uh, just like a couple of tracks. But I was really, really pleasantly surprised with this. Um, this is one I'm going to revisit well, again, I think, because I just think it was great. I think so. I think so. I think like before we did it for this, I, w- I would have been like, yeah, it was better than the other one, but. So what? I think I still kind of had it in my head as a as a soundtrack album, um, but it, yeah, it's it's a proper album. I'd say it falls between you know it's it's nothing is going to be as good as the Eraser just because just that that certain collections of songs, you know, if he can do yeah. that again and have a really good solid set of songs, then yeah, he'd best it. But currently, yeah, that that is his sort of that is it for him. But Amina is is very nice. It lives in a nice like pocket of that, I feel. Yeah, something this fun again would be very welcome. Yeah. 
Um, so, uh, going back in time a little bit. So once he released the Eraser, uh, he put himself a little band together. Um, yes. And called them Atoms for Peace, which is one of the songs from the Eraser. Um, and he thought, you know, who, who can I pick for my band? You know, who can I pick that's normal and, you know, low-key, and so it's not a super group? And he thought, okay, drum, drummer Joe Warmaker, who we've heard a lot about, Nigel Session drummer, and then he was like... Um, uh, Percussionist Maru Rufosco, who I think he's worked with a lot. He would have been my pick as well. Yeah, and then he's like, "Oh, Nigel can be in it because Nigel, you know, yeah, he he doesn't do much. The kid, he might as well come along." And then he was like, "Oh, look, I'll top it off with Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, because why not? Why the hell why not, not Flea? I mean, I remember hearing about this that they were his live band, and just being like, yeah. I couldn't wrap my head around it." So were they, were they were they his Eraser live band? Yeah, um, yeah. And um, then they formed Atoms for Peace through that. Yeah, they sort of toured in 2010 to tour the Eraser and stuff. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, because I'm it, like I did watch a little bit of um, of Atoms for Peace live for this to kind of help me get my head around this album, and it, I thought it was really really nice that they chucked in so many. Tom York solo songs, and they, they were more or less all from the Eraser. I don't think he'd released any other music at that point solo. Um, but yeah, I, I know kind of it's a bit of a we've got Flea in it in a band <laughs> as well. But he does suit he does suit the style. Um, for some reason, he kind of suits Tom York's solo riff style. I don't know why. Yeah, like that it, that um, guitar line or bass line on Harrowdown, Harrowdown Hill is so. Flea, it is, or so isn't chili it? peppers to yeah. me. Yeah, which is yeah. weird because obviously um, that was Razor's 2006 and then his first solo tour 2009, which is when he formed Atlas yeah. for Peace. But yeah, he fits in so well, uh, Flea. So after they finished their first tour, uh, they spent three days jamming and then the resulting album is a mock released in 2012. Um I think basically I do I do like uh, sorry I do I do like the thought of them jamming together. Yeah, three solid days you know, in, of them just having a lot yeah, of blast. In LA. Yeah, them in them in some yoga studio <laughs> and 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 Tom in his big oversized trousers and a nice nice V-neck and a and a and a bun. Yeah, he's got his he's got and, his laptop out and he's just all Yes, exactly. <laughs> and Flea doing like Flea's swinging just his swinging head. Swinging his head and, and then Nigel's just standing there. And yeah, kind of not knowing what to do with himself, I'm sure. Kind of thinking, I, 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 I've engineered this life for myself. How did I do this? I'm living it. How did I end up in this situation? Um, you know, very. I, I've, I was probably more interested in that at the time than in the music they were making, to be honest. I think... I thought that I just loved that mental image. The way they created music, I think it's pretty cool. So he, he would essentially... Tom would show the music he'd created on his laptop which is all quite sort of angular and synthy and whatever and then he'd and then they'd replicate it live and then just you know jam from that which I think is pretty cool. Hmm. But yeah, I I had not oh. listened to this at the time. I th- I mean, I think at the time I really loved the two singles, uh, Default and 
judge, jury and executioner. I couldn't quite get my head around Ingenue. I think the first time I heard that was on, I think he performed it on Jonathan Ross, again, solo piano. So it didn't yeah. really give much of, a, of, a, of an impression of what the album would be like. But I just remember finding Default, when it came out, properly thrilling, just because it's got that insane beat. And I love um, Tom's vocals on it, his vocal melodies. I think Judge During Executioner is basically a perfect song. We might speak about that a bit more in a moment. Um, so I think because I like those two songs so much, I couldn't really find that quality elsewhere on the album um, when I listened to it at the time. I think I also couldn't get my head around the band aspect of it because it yeah. really, on the album, doesn't sound like a band. Um but it doesn't sound like a solo album. It doesn't sound finished enough. It does sound loose. So I think this just never quite squared for me um, when I listened to it the first time. So I think it was a it was a one and done for me in 2013. Yeah, I I, I just don't think I gave it a go just because I couldn't wrap my head around it. You know, again, it's the, the whole band element is weird. I think it's also that they're definitely the kind of band that designed. You know, they were made for live performances, and this is just a nice. Live this is a nice little afterthought, if anything. Um, well, did you wrap your head around it any better this time? Yeah, Graham? this time now knowing the context and also listening to his other solo albums and stuff, I think you can clearly hear the difference. You know, the songs are a bit more looser and flowing. It it just feel a bit liver. You know, and it feels a bit a bit more sort of we messed around in the studio and had a lot of fun. It's it's not as crafted, I would say, as some of his other stuff. It's not as meticulous. I think what it what it basically says to me. I th- well, I think two songs. I think it was stuck together pieces and judge, jury, and executioner. Yeah. Listening to them in the context of the album, and then also watching them play live. They looked absolutely amazing live, I have to say. Like, the show I saw looked incredible. Yeah. Um, it made this album make sense because I, th- I think the impression I got was... Okay, so if, if Tom brought ideas to them as a starting point, I think whatever those three days of jamming were, were the jumping-off point again. It sounds like <clears throat> they they jammed something out they maybe put together something like a song and in the studio they can condense it down into something that's three or four or five minutes. Um, so Judge, Jury and Executioner being the case in point, that all comes out of that... Dum, 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 you know, that's that's kind of... That, that is what everything in this song is built around. So that the hand claps and the kick drums, I think even the chorus really is is all wrapped around that bass line. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think you kind of see that throughout the rest of this album. Um, it's it's jam sessions and band sessions reduced down to more or less an electronic album. I think you can more or less hear that there are musicians on the album, but I think kind of barely. You know, it sounds very heavily treated and, and, and synthetic a lot of the time. Um but I don't know. Does it does it boil down to a good album? Do you think? I I I, I think it it's an interesting album. I yeah, it's a good album, but it's not. It's definitely not. You know, like a classic or yeah. It didn't it didn't hold even this time? It didn't hold that much interest to me. Listening to it a couple of times for this, 
yeah, it's not. I don't think it's a totally redundant thing. You know, it's like, look, here is the project. Here's the album. You know, why why wouldn't we re- release an album? Yeah, um, of course. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I th- I, th- I think b- beyond a few kind of like, well, a couple of I think amazing songs and a few decent little grooves here and there. There's not much more to it than that. This album um, production is very tight and deep, and it doesn't it doesn't just sound like a bunch of jams put together. It does sound like an, an album of songs, but even then, I think because it, also because it is a band. Tom is not leading the way on these songs much. You know, he's he's an element of it. Yeah. Um, but what you're hearing is a is a is a Tom solo album. You know what I mean? Like like, like it sounds like a Tom solo album. So you're listening for Tom, and he's not really doing as much as he might do on other albums. I mean, it's better than Tomorrow's Modern Boxes. That's about all I can say for it. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to live in a world where maybe this replaced Tomorrow's Modern Boxes. Yeah, you know yeah. that would be. But you can have both, Graham. You can yeah, have. Yeah, I mean, all. you can have them all, so that's good. Um, but yeah, it's cool. I might revisit it a bit. I, I definitely want to watch them a video of them live because I think they must have been amazing. Those concerts. Whoa. It looked. Yeah, it looked so much fun. And... Tom. Tom was very happy. Yeah. Um, and so was Nigel. Yeah. The I, you know, like him doing the little rock star face to face thing with Flea. When he's playing guitar, I was like, "That what? That must be pretty nice to do that." Yeah, that must be an amazing moment. Yes, well done, him. Well done, guys. So yeah, that's Tom York. Um, I'm still, you know, very interested to see what he keeps coming out with. To be honest, I mean, I hope he keeps coming out with more solo albums and things. I imagine he's got loads more to say. But I think if he Bring if he on, keeps Tom. going on the sort of uh, anima kind of way of doing things. I think we'll be in for a lot of fun. So, uh, let's talk about Radiohead again. Oh yeah. Let's do a uh, a penultimate Radiohead album. This is. Hey, don't say that, Graham. Well, for now, for now, for now, for now. I'm sure. I'm now. sure they'll secretly release an album. You know, the day after we record, like release this podcast. Yes. Yeah. That'd be great. But don't get the boys and girls upset. <laughs> uh, but this is 2011's. The King of Limbs. Mm. What do you What are your thoughts on this? Were you Were you up for this? Well, obviously, I, I was very, very excited about this album. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it was It was announced on Valentine's Day, so I think it spoiled a lot of Valentine's dates. Um, definitely, definitely distracted me. Um, and again, it was it was you know it was the. The previous album was was in Rainbow, so it's very exciting, and it was released with all the box set and all that kind of stuff again, which I got. It came with a a newspaper called um, uh, the Universal Sigh, and about a year or so ago, I was mucking around with my with my records and moving them around, and I tore the cover no. to the newspaper. Oh, no, that's a that's a shame. That was uh, I still think about that. I still think about that. Um, yeah, because it's really, really nice. But it's only the cover, but it is. That was pretty gutting. Um, yeah, The King of Limbs. I I don't know about you, Graham. I don't know if you were, were, were very, very interested in this when it came out. But I don't think I've enjoyed The King of Limbs 
as much as I did the first time I heard it. Yeah, I, I don't think I was that interested at this point. I was sort of, you know, I'd, I'd, I did listen to it at the time, but it didn't. I think at the time I sort of listened to it, I was like, oh, Radiohead is still going. They're still going strong. They sound like Radiohead. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I wasn't necessarily that enthralled by it. I mean, I remember the singles. I remember mm. sort of Lotus Flower and him dancing and a sort of meme coming out from him dancing. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. seeing that all over the internet and stuff. But yeah, in terms of actually listening to the album properly as music, um, yeah, I, I just remember it, this one didn't do that much for me. At the time, sure. At the time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so is was this kind of the first time you're really coming back to it? Yeah. And okay, and, okay. and this, I mean, I've, I mean, I've listened. Sorry, I was just going to say, I have listened to this album countless times. I've listened to it tons and tons and tons. You own that's, it. That's what I wanted to say. I own it. He owns it, people. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed listening to it again. Uh. But it is a weird one. It is. It 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 does sound. It sounds like there was a different approach for this album. Sure. Um, in terms of where they went and also how he's like produced it as well. Um, isn't there something about uh they were really into DJing, uh Tom and Nigel, <laughs> and sort of the yeah, using ter- turntables like and things. Um, I've got a, a quote. I kind of. Th- so I've got, go on, go I've got a quote here that says uh, they had a two-week experiment to use turntables and vinyl emulation software instead of conventional instruments. According to Godrich, that two-week experiment ended up being six fucking months. Yeah. And he's like, that's the story. And I'm sure Phil Selway was like, that's it, I'm recording a folk album. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing this this turntable stuff anymore. Um yeah, I th- I think the the yeah the impression I get is is definitely that, that that I mean I wouldn't say oh yeah it sounds like vinyl DJ emulation software has been used to make this album but it does sound like something else has been done to make this album. Yeah. Um the impression I get from listening to a couple of interviews with them is they needed to take this approach to again I think like with all their albums they're just trying to not break up. Yeah. Um so they were like we we just need to make a an album that that helps us stay together and does it in a way that isn't boring to us. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like they recorded a ton of stuff. Um, Nigel chopped it up, made it into an album, and Tom sang over the top of it. Maybe it isn't as simple as that, but it, that that is the impression I get. Yeah. Um, and I think what you get, what you end up with, is the. I think it must be the shortest Radiohead album, but I also think the thinnest um, in a songwriting sense and in a production sense, I would say. Uh, there's, I think, first listen when you're hearing Bloom come in and it sounds like Flying Lotus and Colin Greenwood is bringing this amazing bass line and there's all drum loops and I think first time you're just like, whoa, you know, Radiohead are doing something different here and it sounds great. But I think it actually yields less and less the more you listen to this album. Um, and I think when I was listening to it for this, I, I compared it to being in my flat in lockdown where I'm just like, this flat is not getting any bigger. You know, it's <laughs> there it is. There's the whole thing. And, uh, and, and, and I'm very, very used to it. And it just feels this album just seems to shrink the more I listen to it, because um, I, I remember f- at first really liking uh, "Good Morning, Mr. Magpie," 
I liked it production-wise, and I liked the lyrics, and I liked the chorus. Uh, but these days, it sounds it sounds very thin and a little bit cheesy, a little bit tacky. There's a bit of a psychedelic moment near the end mm. where it's like, dum 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 dum, and it's like this is a bit. This is going a bit Afro-Celt sound system, not. Um, and what's the, what's the other one? Little by little. Yeah. I quite like. There's a sort of dreary, sad-sounding Casio keyboard loop, like a little Latin loop that sort of clunks around the whole time. But that's. I mean, I, that song does nothing. I mean, <laughs> I really think there's nothing to it. Um, and before you, I mean, uh, I th- I think um, Lotus Flower is a legitimately amazing single. That's a, that's an incredible song. I think, yeah. and a real single. I think you could hear that in so many different contexts and just go, "This is a." This is a great song. But before you know it, the first half of the album is done. You know, there's a little sort of half-hearted instrumental. And then I think the second half of it almost disguises this album as a real album, where it's got these three slow burn songs. Um, the, the last one, Separator, is one of my favourite Radiohead songs, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, it's that's a great song. Um, but the other two kind of like okay they're they're fine they're all right but they're not they're not an album's worth of stuff like if you if you go back to um hell to the thief you can you can listen to that out time and time again and go oh well i never used to, i never realized scatterbrain was a good yeah. song or whatever you know there's there's stuff to get into you there's no room for that on on the king of limbs it's just so bare what, I don't know. Am I, am, I, am I wrong? Am I being unfair? No, I think that's how I feel. It's it's, it's just sort of... It's it's good, but it, it's it's not... It's not as innovative as some of their other albums. You know, it definitely mm-hmm. feels like... You know, this is where we went from after In Rainbows. Uh, <laughs> whereas, you know, the, the, the album after In Rainbows should have been some amazing... You know, something dissimilar to In Rainbows. This, this kind of, you could put this with next to In Rainbows, kind of, and have it as you know. It, it for me, it feels quite like it could live in a similar realm. Which I don't think many of their albums are like that, other than Amnesiac and Kid A. So normally, they're quite sure. Okay, they're, they're very different beasts. Yeah, I, I I just think with this one, it, well, again, I'm I, this is conjecture, but I think Nigel's job was to create the album based on the recordings, and I think his usual production quality dropped massively for me. Um, this is, I think, the thinnest sounding Nigel Godrich album. Full stop. Um, <clears throat> and. Yeah, I, I I don't know. Maybe it's a bit unfair because it's Radiohead. It's like another band could put out this this album that just helps them swing from one branch to the other. Yeah. Um, and it's not the end of the world. But Radiohead is such a dissected band that it's like, but this was an album and it should be better. You know. Um, I remember at the time everybody was like, "Oh, there's a secret album that's going to come out as well." <laughs> you know, like this isn't even the album. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. 
So, so I, I, I don't know. But I mean, I st- you know, it's not as if I never listen to it. I do. I, 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 you know, I like this album, but it's probably my least favourite Radiohead album other than, I mean, I've never listened to um, Pablo Honey. You've never listened to I Pablo Honey? To we'll save that for when we, when we cover the producer of that album, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good fun. Um, um, but yeah, it's probably my least favourite album. I'd take the Benz over this. Fair enough. Um, so that's the King of Limbs, really. Um, it's a good album. It's kind of a stepping stone. Uh, yeah, it's a stepping stone. I'm happy that this isn't the the, you know, the last album that I've heard, you know, that they've created so far. I'm happy that we've got one more to go. Um, yeah. But yeah, before we get to that, uh, in 2012, Nigel hooked up with a small little indie band called Here We Go Magic for uh, the album mm. A Different Ship. Now... Have you ever heard this band before? You ever heard any of these songs? Not heard or heard of. That's. I think that's fair enough. I. I certainly did not know about them uh, until my girlfriend show shared with me their song "How Do I Know," which is one of her favourite songs. Uh, and I think they're the kind of band that you know don't. I don't think they get a lot of press and stuff. So you'd have to be turned on to them by someone, you know, sort of word of mouth style. Sure. But. I thought this was a nice little gem in his discography. It was, it was yeah, no, there's, I, it, it was really, really good, and and not, not something I, when I when I put it on, I wasn't really expecting a lot. Yeah. Um, I thought, oh, this is going to be some, 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 some bog standard stuff. But I think the 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 more it went on, I was like, oh, it's this kind of album. Oh, it's this kind of album. You know, it, I kept kind of. Um, being surprised by it um and i would even have that with individual songs here uh i think probably a, the majority of the songs they started and i was like okay well, this is going to be a song and it's going to sound like it's produced by nigel godrich but i think and f- i think strangely enough if you were to s- start a song off the majority of these songs and skip to a minute or 30 seconds before the end I would say melodically, the same thing would be happening. There's not, there wouldn't be a massive difference between the beginning and the end of these songs. They don't go to all these mad places. Instead, they they build and build layers and elements um, to the extent that uh, what's really going on is grooves are being built up, and and intensity is being built up through production layers and layering of instrumentation. Um, I think I. I liked it most on the kind of strangest song on this album, Make Up Your Mind, which had a bit of a... It almost had like a um, Dire Straits, like dad rock kind of feeling to it. It sounded like it could be the theme song to some old darts programme or something. (laughs) But the way it built uh, tension through using layering of vocal harmonies and backing vocals and things like that, I was just like, "What a!" I, f- I can't remember the last time I heard a song like this. This is so strange. I just loved it. I thought I thought that song was great. But even the slow burn songs did that as well in their own in their own different kind of way. I think it's interesting that he's taken sort of what he does normally with more electronic elements uh, and is using that with you know real instrument sounds and vocals and stuff in this album. And there's still a little bit of electronics sort of hidden in the mix and in the background, a little bit here and there. Um, I really liked. Um, oh yeah, 
I believe in action. I think the the yes. sonics and that it just it just sounds so warm. This is quite a warm, comforting album, and the, the the textures that he's given them, I think he's really elevated the songs. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, his 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 build up is pretty incredible. You know, him utilizing. He's that. definitely bringing. He's definitely bringing his best Nigel Godrich synth tones and and sounds and extra bells and whistles. Yeah, I, I would agree. I believe in action over the ocean, made to be old. How do I know? It just it's just like they almost switch between being a more upbeat, a more downbeat, more upbeat, more downbeat. But they they always they're still kind of applying the same building technique to it. There's no. There's no even the slower songs. There's no ballad here. It, it's it is all about constructing grooves and layering the production. I think on here and it. I mean, yeah, it sounds pretty immaculate. Yeah, it's not like a classic album or anything like that. But it is. It, I, I would come back to it. There's more to get into. I think, even though it's not a massive long opus of an album, you know. Yeah, I think I think it just goes to show how good his production is. You know, this is a great example of how good it is. Um. So that's here we go magic. Next up, we've got uh, he's in the big leagues. He's in the big leagues for this Oof. one. And he's, the major uh, leagues. Producing 2017's "Is This the Life We Really Want" by a little-known singer songwriter, Mr. Roger Waters. Rog. So. Oh, Rog. You're 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 into this, right? This is your ballpark. This is this is your area of expertise. This is my area of expertise. <laughs> yeah, um, I I you know I just I love Roger Waters a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, when I was when I was a teenager and getting into Pink Floyd, I was probably a lot more about Dave Gilmore. Um, and you know I've all I've always loved Animals, and that's a very Roger Watersy album. But you know I was very into. Dark Side of the Moon and Wish You Were Here and Animals. And I remember getting The Wall, which is, you know, Roger Waters' town and really the the cornerstone of his artistic legacy. Um, I bought that on a holiday in Cyprus. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm going to sit on the beach and I'll listen to a Pink Floyd album I never heard. And uh, that I was like, what on earth is this? <laughs> You know, <laughs> I, I I just I just I was just like, where is the music? Like, what is going on on this album? But now, if I go for Floyd, it's definitely going to be more Animals, The Wall, The Final Cut, um, which is kind of Roger Waters in full in full flow. If you'll pardon the pun, <laughs> um, the yeah. So I I love him. I consider him to be a genius. Um, I consider him to be a real artist and a writer. Um, and I, I kind of, you might, you might agree with this, having listened to this album, Graham, but I don't really consider him to be a musician, um, or at least his, his musicianship is not what brings me to his work. I don't go, oh, I really love Roger Waters' voice. I want to hear him singing. I really love his bass playing. I just want an hour of Rog on the bass. You know, it's just not what brings me to him. It's his, it's his ideas it's his um it's his sincerity a lot of the time i know a lot of people see him as as a very cynical person but i actually think he's a very earnest person um i think like 
Nige, I don't love all of his solo stuff. I'm told it's worth getting into, but I've always struggled with his solo albums um, from back in the day. But there's definitely a big, long gap between his last solo album and this. Um, so I was very surprised and happy when this when this album got announced and released. Yeah, this was his first solo album since Amused to Death in 1992, and his first studio work since the opera Thaira, Kaira in uh, 2005. Um, I, think, I think it's interesting that Nigel and him met because uh, Nigel produced uh, his live album, Roger Waters' The Wall. Um, so it's cool that that's how they sort he loves of it. hooked up. Um, but yeah, he like, like as you said, you know, he the first thing he sort of said to him was, "I think your solo work is pretty much unlistenable." <laughs> um, but then he played him yeah. uh, the demo for Deja Vu from this album, and then Nigel was like, "Well, you've still got it, mate. Let's do this." I think yeah. it's pretty cool that you know he Nigel is the sole producer on this. And yet again, just like Paul McCartney, he stepped back and really let him do his work. And I think that really shows in the album, you know. I, th- I think someone like Roger Waters res- respond well to a bit of honesty. Exactly. Um, uh, particularly someone as, as, as frightening as, as Roger Waters. Um, what, so, so, I mean... Obviously, for, I think for Nigel Godrich, this would be a bit of a dream project and a, a bit of a playground, and I think it does sound that way. W- what did you think of this album? I thought it was interesting to hear Nigel playing in a... not necessarily bigger sandbox, but almost more like grand, ornate, orchestral, sort of bit more mainstream sandbox than he's used to normally doing, you know? Right. It's, he's sort of... He's this is proper stadium stuff, you know. This yeah. is meant to be played loud and theatrical and big and huge. It's interesting to see him in a project that was so, you know, out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I did. I mean, I did see Roger Waters on the on the tour, well, the year after this came out, and he, you know, he did he didn't not play any of the stuff. He did play a couple of songs from this album. Um in Hyde Park, and it translated very well. Yeah. Uh, even the slightly sort of lame, very dated-sounding Smell the Roses. Um, I remember on that song, he actually put his, his bass down and was, like, swaggering around singing it. <laughs> and it was like, just love that, man. It was quite quite a pleasure to see him up there doing that. Um, but I, I, I think it's interesting what you say about this being a big, grand album, because it, it is, I think, instrumentally. But it also feels very... Uh, intimate as well um and it it's very much a an experience album so nigel does an amazing job of taking all the the sort of typical things you would expect from a roger waters album lots of lots of sound collages and you know i think there's loads of clips of uh like the weather weather reports and yeah and um, just general maybe like the shipping forecast and yeah i remember hearing bits of like the checkout counter and on the train like just yeah. announcements and things and weaved in. edgeware got a name check which i was quite excited about nice, nice. the uh the northern line service <laughs> was going to be terminating at edgeware on the, the um that was quite exciting to hear um so i think what you what you get from this album is the feeling of a, of a story and a narrative. I think you, you, you come out of it. I mean, it's not the 
I don't think um, Roger Waters is the sort of artist who's saying, here, I've got a story. This album is about, uh, 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 you know, this is about The Handmaid's Tale or something like that. And it's going to talk about this, this society that people live in. His is much more conceptual and loose and, you know, is, is kind of trying to get a general feeling. And he can pour lots of things into this into this atmosphere that he's creating. And you do come out of it feeling like, I think, like you've had an artistic experience, like you've been told a story, even though it might not be the clearest narrative in the world. I think what's interesting um, is that I think uh, Roger wanted to do like a straightforward radio, not straightforward, but like a radio play, a more linear narrative. And Nigel oh. came in and suggested... Uh, that he abandoned that theatrical elements and make it less, far less linear. So, I think I think originally it would have been, you know, more of a like right. proper straightforward concept album. Now it's like a loose concept album, which I think is is better. I think I think that was the right call to be honest, because I think good idea. It nice. allows all the songs to breathe, right? When you're listening to them, and they're not sort of. And he's not. He doesn't yes. have to hammer a theme, as you said. He can talk about all these different things. <laughs> Yeah, I, do, I just think as soon as, uh, you know, it's like, oh, this Coheed and Cambria album is based on a graphic novel that was released in, you know, it's like, I, I, who cares? I, you know, <laughs> I, I prefer it to be kind of like the, the Gorillaz Plastic Beach style where you don't really feel like you're listening to a story, but the way they created the album, they had these images in mind. Yeah. And that's what gives you the sound and the unity um, of, 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 the, of the track listing. Um the other element to this album is the the kind of f- f- Pink Floyd fantasy football that that Nigel Godrich is playing, <laughs> where he you know he gets to construct his his dream Pink Floyd album, um, and the way that he brings it in with the the string section that really sets sail on I think it's uh, Deja Vu or the Last Refugee, um, mm, yeah. When that comes in, it's it's incredibly moving, but it also it also has the added extra little um, uh, the little edge of taking you back in that nostalgic way. So it sounds beautiful, but you're also like, wow! I love. I also love comfortably numb. You know, um, you know. Picture that was a very interesting song for that as well, um, where it's really it goes old school with the late seventies Pink Floyd on that. Down, gada, gada, down, gada, gada, down, kind of baseline that you hear throughout. Um, but again, like, like, here we go, magic. Nigel also brings all his amazing synth tones to this album as well. It's just like every song is just like, here's beautiful keys, beautiful synths, amazing voices. Um, yeah, it sounds pretty incredible, this album, I think. Yeah, I think he was definitely 100% the right person for this project to make it sound. Just, just lush. It's a lush sounding album, you know. It's it's big. Yes, um, and it, to, to the extent that I did find it very moving. I think the last refugee it made me. It gave. I, I mean, I can't cry, Graham. It doesn't happen, you know. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. Um, but it, it did my version of crying when I was when I was listening to it while I was out for a walk. Um, because obviously, I mean, it, I I just thought it was very beautiful and and very very movingly put together, but it, it, you you're also kind of thinking this is a you know I'm not thinking of you know Roger Waters is is 
is dead or is dying or something like that. But you kind of think, here's this 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 bloke in his seventies who's got, he's still got the same ideas as he had in his head, forty or fifty years ago. He still had, you know, it's still the same thought process and artistic process that's being applied to these songs. Um, and when he's gone, those ideas will be gone as well. Um, and that that it kind of tapped into that aspect of it for me as well. Um, particularly on Bird in a Gale, you know, it's not really my favourite song on the album, but there's a bit where um, it almost, I think it sort of visited my favourite Pink Floyd song, Dogs. That's got a big, long instrumental section where some of the lyrics are echoing very very faintly in the background for, for quite a few minutes. And I'm sure somehow in that song, it, it was almost like getting blown into that jam section in dogs. Mm. I think, I don't even think it's like, Oh, it happens to sound like it. I really think it was deliberately supposed to sound like it. Yeah. And you're, you're kind of like, what I think, I feel like I've just time traveled. That was, you know, it, it, it was quite a, yeah. I mean, this, this is, this is not, um, a perfect album and it's not like every single song is, is stunning or anything like that. But as a fan of Roger Waters, this is just so gratifying and beautiful. I think. So yeah, that's uh, Roger Waters. Is this the life we really want? Um, Good question. Yeah, I guess we do. Why not, eh? Let's have it. Let's have that life. Why not? Let's have um, it. Let's have it. So we're going to talk about our final album now. Um, off the podcast. But after this, we might have a little uh, talk about some little other songs that Nigel's done over the years. Little bits and pieces. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about 2006, A Moon-Shaped Pool by uh, Radiohead. 16. Oh, yeah, 2016, not 2006. Crazy. Um, yeah, do you like this album? I do. So do I. <laughs> so do So do <laughs> I, mate. Good. Um, yeah, uh, I suppose, I mean, you know, we've, we've, we've been over the were you anticipating this album quite a lot, so why wouldn't we do it for Moonshape Pool? Were you anticipating this album, Graham? I was not by this point, 2016. I'm just sort of like, okay, Radiohead exists, they're doing well, it'd be fine. But I will say that I remember all the rumours about them doing a song for Spectre, James Bond film of around that time, and I was interested in that. <laughs> And the song they released is not on this album. Um, I think, if anything, it annoyed Nigel that mid-album they had to make a song for James Bond, which did not get picked. Yep. Um, but it, when you listen to it, it does kind of sit alongside the, you know, these songs. It, 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 it could be like an extra song on the album, and you'd be like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, it sounds like the same sessions. Oh, I was, you know, I definitely was interested in hearing what they were going to do. How about you? Were you were you yeah. really looking forward to this? I kind of, I mean, I wasn't as excited as I normally was. Um, that might be because I was twenty eight at the time and <laughs> you know had had other things to think about, maybe. But um, I was, I was, I was also kind of, you know, at the time not that happy with with the King of Limbs, um, and just a bit like, you know, it's always exciting when Radiohead emerges back into the world that's always exciting so um and that they were doing it with all these sort of trumpton images and stuff uh from from the um from the burn the witch video 
I was a bit like, okay, I like this vibe when Graham, uh, when Graham, sorry, when Radiohead do this sort of thing. I like it when 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 Graham does it as well. It doesn't happen <laughs> often enough, in my opinion. Um, but I like it when Radiohead are in that sort of zone. I like it when Tom's there lyrically with those sorts of things, where he's using like nursery rhymes and stuff like that, and not silly old sayings and stuff. Um, but when Burn the Witch came in, that was a bit of a an unexpected sound for Radiohead, I suppose. Having that mixture of very grand orchestration being used in a very percussive way, and more or less like a hip hop beat um, coming in, and that really gurgling vocally synthesizer, uh, I kind of thought, "Ooh, really ahead of have bothered to produce this album. That'll be that. This bodes well." Um, did you hear "Burn the Witch" or? Um, daydreaming at the time i think i heard burn the witch and just remembering sort of those strings the impact mm-hmm. of hearing radiohead with like such a sort of m- mature sounding almost okay sort of sor- mature sorrowful but it wasn't sorrowful like um like wailing <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah, different... yeah it was still kind of catchy and had a beat yeah there's a different vibe i found from that song what would you say, daydreaming? Yes. Was that one the ones yeah, you heard? Well, daydreaming was the... It came out beforehand because, again, it was a talk, Paul Thomas Anderson uh, music video right. that came out, I think, ahead of the album. They're the first two tracks on the album. And it's got, you know, Tom is walking through lots of doors in a house. Um, I, I just... Daydreaming took me right back to Kid A Amnesiac as far as the, the vibes were concerned. And I, I got... Very, very excited all of a sudden. I thought, oh, Radio had a back. They're on it. They're not They're not mucking around this time. I think it's one of their best songs, Daydreaming, personally. Yeah, I think this album is just beautiful. I, I, think, I think they were going through some stuff when they were recording this album. I think, you know, it's a breakup album. Um, Tom Walk's uh, ex-wife. You know, he announced their separation during making this album, and then shortly after this album was released, she passed away. Um, so, you know, I think this this is quite an emotional one. Um, oh, I think yeah. Nigel Godrich, you know, he lost his father during making this album, but it is just, it's very beautiful, and it, it it's not, it's, it's a different type of sorrow in this album. It's not as angsty. They're not as angry as before. No way. Uh, and they seem a bit more no. reflective, you know? Yeah, definitely. It's that, it's that, uh, it does remind me, well, it's, it reminds me of In Rainbows in terms of approach where you can tell they're going for, they they were concentrating on this album and, and were determined to make a great album. But it is that kind of like spooky, ghostly, slightly depressed sort of sister to it, you know? Yeah. Um, it's like the It's like the dark underside of, of in rainbows it's beautiful but a lot more a lot more sorrowful and melancholy um not that it's totally you know it's not like a miserable album by any means it feels a lot more just like resigned and reflective um and i think it's also actually quite telling that so if the big rock moment on in rainbows was body snatchers a big kind of freaky psychedelic surf rock song the big rock moment on this is uh full stop which is a like a a very freaky kraut rock 
that's a that's a straight not really not my I know a lot of people like that song not really my kind of song but for that to be the big up tempo moment it's I just says a lot about this album to me yeah and I just I also love his production on this album I think it's you know it it sounds very focused yeah, it sounds very very stripped away. There's not a lot of fat on this. I mean, I suppose maybe near the end. I mean, I can understand maybe not finding uh, Tinker Taylor or the numbers to be the most thrilling songs in the world. I personally really like them. Um, so it's not the most like perfect paired back album, maybe. Um, but I actually, I, I, I just, I just, I think it, it cut having tinker taylor on there in particular the way the drums kin it come in again takes me right back to amnesiac um i just i just i just like that this you probably could make a slightly more perfect album out of this by trimming it back even a little bit more um but i just think the whole perfect album thing is is bogus i i i just want a bunch of good songs personally and there is enough of a unifying vibe on this I, I think through the produ- through the production and through the orchestration, you know the strings on this sound incredible. They're easily the best on a Radiohead um, album up until this point. Um, but yeah, there's 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 there's, there's enough of a unifying vibe here that you have space to have these extra experiments to it. What do you think is the kind of what is the sound of this album to you, Graham? Um. I think it, it's quite summed up quite well in the the version of True Love Waits that they've put on this album. Um, right. I know I remember True Love Waits uh, as sort of acoustic guitar live song from um, one of their mm-hmm. live recording EPs, and hearing it in this new light, this sort of ambient piano led, sort of lush version of it, it just gives it a whole new meaning. And it, the the sentiment of it as well just hits completely differently. Oh, definitely, you know, yeah. 20 yeah. years later. Um, well, it, having that Latin rhythm to it as well was so unexpected hearing it the first time. Um, but there's a, a, a real intimacy to the recording where you can hear, you can hear like the inner workings of the piano. You can hear its, its kind of innards moving around and the mechanics of it moving around. And I think actually on that that song and in a couple of places on this album, Tom sounds a bit old. Yeah, he sounds a bit he sounds a bit worn out. In fact, and it sounds deliberate because he definitely doesn't sound anything like that on Anima, which was a couple of years later, about three years later. Um, he sounds like his old self. Um, but here, there's definitely a fragility and a bit bit a bit more emotionally open. Um, on this one um yeah i i kind of think there's there's two kind of key aspects to this this album there's the well maybe three there's just the general sadness it's very sad they're in a little pool in the shape of the moon um and uh there's a definite 60s psychedelic aspect to this album which is actually brought out really nicely because there's a bit of a psychedelic aspect to the King of Limbs, but I found it to be really cheesy. On here, it's so tasteful. It's got, I mean, my my frames of reference there are pretty limited, but you know, it kind of gave me a bit of a Nick Drake vibe here and there. Um, 
but all these lovely psychedelic washes that you hear throughout across various, you know, bat-masked vocals and just a, a bit of genuine trippiness is, is quite nice, in, but in a bit of an old-fashioned way. Um, but also just the strings throughout are stunning. I mean, speak, you know, them doing the Bond song is one thing, but I would love to hear them just score a James Bond film and take it right back to the 60s. Yeah, that would be so that would nice. be amazing. Um, um, yes, good album. Yeah, I think three moments, the three moments that stand out in particular to me, strings-wise, are, well, I actually, no, four. <laughs> I thought this, this, the strings on, um, on um, the numbers were somewhere between I Am The Walrus and To Become One by the Spice Girls. <laughs> a very happy place for me. That's where I want to be. Um, the when, when at the end of Tinker Tailor, the, the strings really take over, it is, that is James Bond. I mean, it is just stunning. Mm. Um, so there's the, you've got the lushness there, but the cello at the end of Daydreaming, when it does that kind of... It just sounds like it lurches up from hell. Like it is, it is, it is dark. It's like the tortured wailing of the damned. You know what I mean? It's, it's. So there's no. It's not. I think it, when you think dark in rainbows, that's probably a dumb way of putting it. Um, there's more to this album than than that. Um, it's not. You know, again, it's not my favorite Radiohead album. Um, and I, you know, I don't put it on all the time. But it, it is them at kind of full strength, and it's ridiculously lush, like you say. Yeah. Um. So that's that's it. that's it, I think. Um, those are the bloody albums. Those are the albums. Um, throughout his time, he's he's obviously Radiohead have done so much material, and he's produced all of it, I imagine. Uh, well, from a point. So there are quite a few B sides that are pretty cool. Um. Do do any come to mind to you that you like you enjoy? Um, the, the ones that I liked before I listened to this were probably not the most popular ones, but I I really like um, uh, these are my twisted words, which came out in two thousand and nine. So it was a kind of a maybe gave a hint of the general vibe they'd be going for on on um, the King of Limbs, but that's a really dark, spooky guitar song. And actually, I think it's their most metal moment. Like, I can really imagine the ring raids <laughs> out there, you know, um, when I listen to the guitars on that. And I, 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 I think after The King of Limbs, they put out a double A-side of The Butcher and Super Collider. And the Butcher's pretty good, but I really love Super Collider. It's a bit of a cheesy song, um, and it just sounds like... Um, it just sounds like Tom York is a bit eat up, to be honest, a bit loved up. But... Um, I, yeah, that's just so for me. I, I listen to that song quite a lot, actually. <laughs> um, what about you, Graham? I really like uh, Worry Wart. It's oh. just such a beautiful, you know, peak womb talk. You're in there, you get binaural <laughs> beats, and it's just beautiful. Yeah. That's a beautiful song. Um, and also The Fog. I love The Fog. Was that the slightly Krautrocky one? Or maybe I'm getting confused with another one. What was the, what was the vibe on The Fog? Um, I just remember the fog being sort of like sort of piano-y, weirdy kind of. Oh, the weirdy one. Yeah, weird piano-y around the time of Worry War. I think, you know, around the time okay. of... It's from the Kid A Amnesiac sessions. Um, right, 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 sure. And yeah, I... I, no, I did get... 
I just think a lot of that material on, was right. great, and they did re they did revisit a lot of that material in later albums, didn't they? They sort of that was a bountiful time for them. Oh yeah, lots of space for those. Um, I did get really into Worry Warp for doing the re- listening to this. I've never listened to that before. But is that the first instance of um, of Tom York beatboxing? I think it might be. Yeah, it could be. Um, that's what the song is really built around. Yeah. But it's so somehow so lush and cold and steamy, and I just I love that. It sounds like a thousand kettles boiling. And they've released a couple of sort of one-off singles, haven't they? Do you have any favourites of them in the last couple of years? Oh, I did like the Harry Patch song. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's probably a bit over the top, sad. Um, but I remember just thinking, oh, wow, a, a, a Radiohead song that is just strings and vocals. Uh, it sounded pretty great at the time. I like the fact that these days they, they'll put out a random song here and there, you know. And it, yes. It'll sound good, I mean, but they're it'd not It'd be nice fit. to hear from them again. Yeah, I think we will. I think we will. One of these days. When this damn war is over, Graham. <laughs> So, um, well, I I just have a few questions in that case before before we before we before we wind up and go out go out clubbing. <laughs> um, what I mean across across these albums, I suppose you can answer this at the same time, Graham. Your favourite album and what you think to be the best produced Nigel Godrich album that we listen to here. So I think my favourite album. Um, I, it's gonna be still amnesiac. I just love it. I just think about yeah, it. Yeah. You know, it's vibe. Um, although "Hail to the Thief" came up a close second there. Uh, really? Yeah. If anything, just through this re-listening, I just I just realised, cool. you know, remembered that I love it so much. And then the eraser. So I've given you three answers there. Um, <laughs> but in terms of best <laughs> production, I think it has to be Talkie Walkie. Um, it just sounds you. incredible. Yeah, and it doesn't have it doesn't have the typical um, busyness of of a of a Nigel Godrich album. It doesn't sound like it's got loads of stuff chucked at it. No, every element of it is so carefully selected. And it it doesn't well. sound sparse either. It sounds very very rich. Oh yeah, it's, it's like massive. you know biting into a really nice chocolate. That bar, bar of like Belgium chocolate. Oh, Graham! What an evocative image you've conjured there. <laughs> How about um, you? What were your favourite? Uh, I mean, that's I'm, I'd agree on on uh, Talkie Walkie as best production. My favourite is 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 Kid A. Yeah. Um, though again, you know, I think In Rainbows is the best, but I think that, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, uh, but Kid, yeah, Kid A is my favourite. Um. What did you find the hardest to get through? What was the biggest slog for you on this on this? I think uh, unfortunately took? it was uh Miss Charlotte Gainsbourg five fifty five. Um five fifty five. I just couldn't get down with it, you know, I couldn't uh, her vocals were the big big block for me. Even though, you know, everyone on the album oh. sounds pretty cool and it's a well produced album. Uh, the songs Definitely. I think the songs behind it are probably all okay, but yeah, I just—it was tough. You know, you know what? Because I'm with you on on this on Charlotte Gainsbourg, but um, and it's a shame, yeah. Because, like you say, because because it is so well produced and the songs are decent. Like I was listening to it the other day, and there's this—I think the second or third song—that's where she's. It's quite fun. She's talking about 
like this like dream airline you know where she's talking about what the end flight entertainment would be like and what the food would be like and like the you know like this feeling of like falling asleep at night on a plane i just thought oh what a nice thing to write a song about but she's singing it (laughs) yeah um excuse me um and i do wonder graham if you were in the hot seat given the opportunity to pair up these these giants of music who would you have uh old nigel work with who would you have him produce hmm i'd i'd like him to properly go for it and produce a hip hop album you know i'd like him to work with just someone I'd like to see him work with a huge, big-named band. Yeah, like The Roots. That'd be amazing, you know? See him bring that. Or even someone, like, really left, you know, left field for him. Like, what if, what if he collaborated with Kendrick Lamar on an album? What happened? What the hell would happen? That'd be amazing. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, did, I did wonder Kendrick Lamar at some point. Um, but then I thought, what, I mean, what would he do? He'd be like, oh, "Hello, Kendrick Lamar." Hello. You know, I don't. I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't think know. they would. They would vibe. I can't imagine I, it. I think he's far more vibey than you make out. <laughs> Mate, uh, yeah, he's definitely. I mean, he definitely has created more vibes than I have. <laughs> I've I've created uncomfortable vibes. I think. How about you? Who would you like um, to see him work with? I thought of a bunch of people, and every single time I was like. Nigel wouldn't want to do that these days because he's bored of rock bands and what would that even amount to, you know? So I thought, oh, could I have him work with Fleet Foxes? But no, Fleet Foxes don't need him because Robin Pecknold produced the last album and it was amazing. I thought he could do Timber Tamber, but they sound good enough without him, to be honest. Um, but I thought if I could retroactively, if I could if I could retrofit uh, Nigel into an album, it would be Tack by Sigaross because I thought, there was a time when his his sound would have really suited Sigaros anyway in the early two thousands, but I think that album is a bit a bit wet and a bit polite and could be so much better. And also, I would like to hear because Nigel doesn't really get above a certain amount of cacophony on his albums. Uh, he doesn't really break his his dynamic range all that often. I would like to hear him make a bit of post rock noise mm. and get a bit of a racket and see what his racket would sound like. I think that'd be really nice. I think it would benefit both parties, that, that one. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I also like uh, maybe John C would be cool. Yeah, he needs he needs some help. <laughs> he needs some help. Um and I okay, Graham, the, the final question, the big the 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 the, the big question, the $400,000 question. What is Nigel Godrich's sound. What is the sound of a Nigel Godrich production? I think it's sort of a, a really tight, constructed, controlled chaos with mm-hmm. beautifully layered sort of sound textures, whether they be instruments, uh, vocals, synths, things like that. All of his songs sound like a little world to immerse yourself in. You know, and all of the albums have come out as like little worlds that you're going to live in as opposed to just a collection of songs or just a moment in time they he Mm. sort of yeah creates these little pocket universes pocket universes yes pocket symphonies um i I, yeah I, i i do agree with you there there's definitely he's got his 
he's got his actual sounds that are so recognisable. So his his synth sounds are so his. Um, and there is something about his his editing and his ability to say, no, the album is not finished yet, or it's finished now, and let's 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 be done with it. Um, I also think he's got a very distinctive drum sound and bass sound, possibly to a detriment. So I described earlier he gets rid of the sound of the room that the drums are sound that are recorded in, not 100% of the time, but for the most part, I would say. On a typical album of his, you're just hearing the drum being hit. I think he's got a very distinctive running, rolling, slightly percussive bass sound as well. Um, and the way he produces uh, strings is always just immaculate and beautiful. Um, there is a slightly homogenised sound, I think, to to Niger's stuff, particularly in his in his rhythm sections, which can hold them back a bit. Or, or you know, you just kind of go like, oh, you know, here we are again. Nigel Godrich did this one. Um, but he, like you say, he's just so good at creating an atmosphere um, and not an uncomfortable atmosphere, uh, a nice atmosphere, nice, snowy, Christmassy, lush atmosphere. And he does, as we've seen with a handful of these albums, really elevate the material um just by layering in all this all this beautiful stuff and i would say if you want to hear his sound in you know laid bare the the two albums to go to are um sea change by beck and talky walkie by air they are the they're both amazing albums but they are the most nigel godrich you can you can get basically mm. If whatever you hear on there, you're gonna hear them in other places, but you get it all together, I think, on those two albums for me. Yeah, definitely. Love it. Thank nice. you, Nigel. What a lovely pleasure it Thanks, was to Nige. spend some lovely time. He's a really Nige. Top tier guy. Oh Nige. Yeah. And um and I I just want to point out that he has the same voice as Matt Holness, who plays Garth Marenghi. <laughs> He'll be happy that you've let the world know that. Oh, Nigel. Nigel. What a wonderful, what a wonderful four hours that was, Graham. Another weird and wacky ride searing through some solid tunes. Yeah, what a what a what a treat both to hear Graham say that and <laughs> to dig into the work of Mr. Nigel Godrich. Um that was, that was, uh, that was a big one. I mean, that was, <laughs> there was a lot of stuff there. Mercifully, I think we were already quite familiar with a, with at least a handful of, of those albums, but there was a, 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 a heap of stuff that I'd never listened to before. Um, is there anything you're still sort of, is there anything you've changed your mind on or, or anything you, you've kept listening to, Graham? I think I changed my mind on, but I've got a newfound love for Talkie Walkie by Air. Um, mm. Because I'm just a cherry blossom girl surfing on a rocket at the end of the day. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I've always thought that of you. Um, actually, I, I, I think we might have been, or at least I might have been a bit unfair on uh, Pocket Symphony when I've, when I've, when I was listening back to make the playlist for this episode. This, I was, I was kind of getting the songs on the album a little bit more. It's no, it is no Talkie Walkie. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't stack up to Talkie Walkie. But it's pretty, it's pretty sumptuous. Um, it's, it's a good one. Um, 
If you want to tell us what you think of, of Pocket Symphony, Talkie Walkie, or Here We Go Magic, um, where, where would be the best place for people to do that, Graham? You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at ProductionWisePod. And yeah, slide into our DMs. Let us know what you're thinking. Please do. You know, we, we want to know. Um, I would also recommend, while you're listening to our episode, or maybe separate to listening to our episode, if you look us up on Spotify, our user profile, each of our episodes has a super dope, super fabulous, mega playlist connected to each of these producers. I was listening to the Nigel Godrich one last week. That is a hefty playlist. <laughs> That's a, that is a massive playlist. And it is a really, really, really good one. It might be the best the best one so far. Um, yeah, I, I, I recommend uh, getting involved. Also, if you want to keep up with us, what we're doing, what we're up to, as far as the actual podcast is concerned, I strongly recommend that you subscribe to our wonderful podcast. You can find it anywhere you might reasonably expect to find a podcast. Um, you know, give us a subscribe, give us a listen, tell a friend, whatever you like. Uh, there's, there's lots more fun to come. In fact, next week is the first part of our season finale, the end of series one ends with a bang who are we covering next week graham we are covering the man the myth the legend mad lib the bad kid it's mad lib yes we listened to every bit of mad lib we could possibly find we really did for this podcast we really did and there's a lot out there to find i challenge you to try and listen to it all between now and next week uh, that's 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 the challenge i give to you um it's a big one. It's it's one I'm really, really excited to share with everybody, the, the Mad Lib episode. We'll be back with part one of the Mad Lib, Mad Lib episode next week. We will see you next Tuesday. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.